Support for the Lincoln Project podcast comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who've switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com Lincoln. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Lincoln. Odoo, modern management made simple. Hey everyone, it's Reed. Before we get started, I just want to ask everybody to keep your eyes and ears open as we get deeper into 2023. If you have questions, email us, podcast at lincolnproject.us. We want to hear what you're hearing. We want to see what you're seeing. We want to know what you're wondering about. Podcast at lincolnproject.us. Give us your questions, your thoughts, your concerns, and anything you think might be of interest to the fight for American democracy. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to The Lincoln Project. I'm your host, Reed Galen. Today, I'm once again joined by legendary Democratic strategist, senior advisor to The Lincoln Project, and host of That Trippy Show, Joe Trippy. Joe, welcome back. Great to be with you, Reed. Look forward to talking. So, Joe, a couple of things I want to talk about. I want to get to Donald Trump's campaign because it seems like they actually know what they're doing this year as opposed to, let's say, 2020 and 2016. But before we get to that, I think it's important that we spend a few minutes on the Dominion Voting Systems versus Fox News settlement that happened yesterday. So as many people remember, in the aftermath of the 2020 campaign, Sidney Powell and among others were saying that Dominion Voting Systems was controlled by a dead Hugo Chavez from Venezuela, all these other things, Joe, that they were switching votes from Donald Trump to Joe Biden. There was never any evidence of this. There is no evidence of this to this day, but Fox ran with it, despite the fact that Tucker Carlson, Rupert Murdoch, all of the people that go on the air and spew lies now anyway, knew it wasn't true. The trial was supposed to start yesterday, as we're recording this on Wednesday, and right before opening arguments were supposed to start, Dominion accepted a $787 million settlement from Fox to avoid a six-week trial, which would have featured many of those same Fox principles and personalities. You know, we've had this talk, right, that, you know, any good lawyer doesn't want to have to go to court. For Dominion, this is a hell of a lot of money. For a defamation case, this is historic. But somehow, Joe, I still feel empty. Yeah, I mean, particularly now when you look at sort of the post-reporting of all this, it turned out that Murdoch was going to be the first witness called and that Tucker Carlson was going to be right after him. I know both of us would relish that. But it gets back to something we've been talking about. You know, I still think there's a way to put them on the stand, and it may be Senate hearings. The Democrats have control of the Senate. They could subpoena Murdoch and Tucker and all of them that avoided having to testify. We can do it, televised hearings. But, you know, the other thing, though, is it's not over. Lindell's going to get sued. You know, there's a case against him. The same team's taking that one on. The same with Sidney Powell. She's going to be facing this. This is not over. It's just the beginning, I think. But as much as Dominion did a service with the depositions and, you know, airing all this stuff out that got us here, they deserve credit for that. But 
it is an empty feeling because I sure as hell would have loved to have seen these people have to on the stand refute this stuff or try or lie some more. The only other thing that would have been, I think, more powerful than that even would have been if they would literally go on the air and retract them on the air, seeing Tucker and uh, Sean do that. That's not going to happen, but I think the dollars are going to pile up. And I think we're still just scratching the surface of what we're going to find out as these other legal fights go on on this. Right. And there's still obviously the Smartmatic case, which is the other voting machine company. You know, I think there's only two of them, right? It's not exactly a growth business, right? There's only so many counties. There's only so many precincts. And I assume these things are supposed to work for a while. I assume that, you know, Smartmatic looking at this will say, we'd like $787 million and $1, please, right? <laughs> no, I think, you know, again, Fox, even in its statement, said that the judge, you know, agreed with them finding the false stuff. Right, but they didn't admit it, Joe. I think that's an important thing. They didn't personally admit it. No, they didn't admit it, and they didn't say they're sorry. No remorse whatsoever. They're immediately going back. I mean, the the whole statement of, you know, in the highest settlement just shows that we're for the highest standards of journalism. I mean, it's like ridiculous. There's nothing about any standard of journalism. That was all exposed. It's all propaganda and bullshit. But I think it is stand up and notice time for the Lindells and the Sydney Pals and Fox as Smartmatic and everything comes on. They're going to pay some heavy-duty stuff here. And you've already had the only thing that did out distances on the amount of money was the Alex Jones finding his penalties. So, look, I think they're all in for it now. Fox is going to have a harder and harder time now that this one is out there. Even that statement, as shallow and connivingly bullshitty as it was, <laughs> is going to come back to haunt them. So. Joe, you told us a story when we were recording for our Resolute Square show last night that you were having a beer with a MAGA buddy of yours in which you asked him about this and he said he had no idea what you're talking about. On a call we were on earlier today, Trig V. Olson, one of our senior advisors, was having a conversation with his mom, who's pretty deep into MAGA, and she had no idea, not only about the settlement, Joe, but that even Dominion was suing Fox. I have a really good friend. We've been friends for seven years at least, knowing full well he was totally maggot out and he knows I'm a crazy democratic, <laughs> you right. know, progressive liberal, whatever. But we genuinely like each other and we get along and we have good conversations. And I was having a, a beer with him and I said, What do you think is gonna happen in this? You know, are they gonna settle or is there gonna be a trial? Is Murdoch gonna have to testify? And he looked at me, he had no clue. He just said, like, there's some case. I mean, I heard something about that, but I haven't really been paying any attention to it. And that just shows you, again, I mean, I just think, you know, the one group of people who need to see this are never going to hear about it because Fox spent like seven minutes one time yesterday in some kind of sterilized, you know, <laughs> version of the... It wasn't even a human being at the camera. It was like AI saying it out loud. Yeah, yeah. And so that's not going to happen. I just think it does just point to how we, you can't say it enough. I mean, hashtag Fox lies. I mean, we just have to keep drilling down and holding their feet to the fire and pumping this into the bloodstream as much as we can. They can't stop all of it from penetrating. But the other side of it is, though, it does say, too, that what it does say about the audience is that they don't care. I'm sure a lot of them know they're being lied, but they love it. They love the lie. 
Here's a question I, I've been thinking about for a little while, Joe, which is, do you think there are some Republicans, maybe they watch Fox a lot, but they're not all the way down in the deep MAGA rabbit hole, and they hear about 2020, and they're like, look, he knows he lost. I know he lost. Everybody else knows he lost, but nobody cares now. He's not in office now. Joe Biden's in office now. So can we just quit talking about this? Can we just quit talking about the fact he lied? Oh, no, I'm sure that's part of it. Absolutely. Anything to have an excuse to move on and not worry about that. Oh, he didn't mean it. He was joking. I mean, you see this with DeSantis now, the few supporters he has. Right. Less every day. Yeah. They are defending. Oh, he was joking about that. He didn't really mean that. Yeah, right. You know, so it's just uh, incredible. You know, no, he signed the six week abortion ban, but it was just a kind of in the middle of the night. Didn't really mean it. You mean he signed the bill in his office, Joe, at 11.20 p.m. What is it about authoritarians in the middle of the night? They all love the middle of the night. I mean, maybe it's just a metaphor, but they all seem to just really love the darkness. Again, maybe it's a metaphor I'm expounding on just in my own head, but they all seem to love to do this stuff literally under the cover of night. Yeah, because well, they don't want anybody to really focus on what they're doing, but they're going to do what they want to do. And it's all about hiding it except for the people they know are going to be delighted in it. And the people delighted in it will be very happy to learn it at 1140 in the middle of the night while the rest of us are sleeping, which that's what they count on. They count on exhausting us. They count on doing these things while we're sleeping, when we're not paying attention. You know, DeSantis knows that the people, and Trump knows it too, the people who need to know, they'll find out. They'll make sure that that happens. Fox will do that. Fox will make sure they know that. But the rest of the media isn't going to focus on a lot of this stuff, which is why we need to do it, I think. The question is, too, though, Joe, is that, you know, Fox got caught, rightfully so, in a big lie about the big lie. But for the other members of the mainstream media, they report on this stuff as if, you know, I once had a guy from the Huffington Post on the show, and he was talking about when he interviewed Enrico Terrio, who was the head of the Proud Boys. And he said, anytime I interview this guy, I know he's lying to me. And he knows he's lying to me. And he knows I know he's lying to me. And so I would say, this is a quote from Enrico Terrio. It is a lie. Here's the quote. Enrico Terrio lied. Now, I understand that most mainstream reporters aren't going to do that because it seems a little bit ridiculous to break up your copy that way. But that's the right way to do it, which is if someone is an inveterate liar, if someone has no desire, capacity, or need to tell the truth to you as a member of the media, I believe it is incumbent upon you as a member of the media to ensure that your reader or your viewer understands that. Yeah, but they do the both sides thing. You know, DeSantis says this, Biden says that, and, you know, you guys decide, like, when, you know, there's real truth here, and you should call out that one's lying, and or both are lying, fine. But say that, they don't do that. They're just going to report both things as fact, and you decide which to do. The interesting thing, though, there's two things about the Dominion thing that I think is kind of interesting. One, yeah, Fox lied about it. They just did the big lie, and they repeated it over and over again. Their whole defense was, we're just repeating Trump's lie. Right, because he's a, quote, newsworthy source. Right, because he's a newsworthy source. So one, yeah, I mean, either way, it's all lies, and they're happy to repeat them. That's one. And I think that needs to be jumped on. It's like even their defense was basically a complete admission that everything was a lie, which gets to the next point. This isn't the only time Fox has lied. 
Fox lies every day. From the first show in the morning starts out, and for 24 hours, almost everything on that channel turns out to be misinformation or an out-and-out lie. And whether it's the fear of, you know, that they stoke on race or anything else out there, it's all made up stuff, most of it. And so, you know, yeah, they got caught this time or, you know, they had to pay this penalty. But I still think, and I keep hoping some trial lawyer out there somewhere decides to call on all of Americans who feel violated by Fox News and what they've done to destroy our democracy to do some kind of class action lawsuit against them and just get millions of Americans to sign up to be a part of the class action, it'll probably get thrown out. But I think spectacle is now part of the work. We need to make sure that we create enough hubbub about this, enough heat on these people that they learn not to touch that stove, although they're going to keep touching it. That's probably not possible to stop them. Let's switch gears a little bit because all of this you know, revolves around the centrifugal force that Trump is in our politics. And you know, we've been talking about this a little bit. And, you know, in 2016, Donald Trump's campaign was basically four idiots in an airplane. And Trump was one of the idiots. And they won in spite of themselves. In 2020, they had more idiots, the White House, and theoretically an unlimited amount of money, although they were broke by October. And they had a global pandemic against them. And he only lost by what, like 150, 160,000 votes over, you know, a few states. So now here we are, it's always been our contention that he is the presumptive Republican nominee. As you noted at the top, you know, Ron DeSantis, you know, went to Washington, D.C., you know, sort of like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, did it actually happen? And that's sort of his D.C. trip, which is all these Republican members of Congress are now coming out to support Trump. In fact, there's eight of them now from Florida and one from Texas who said, I just met with Ron DeSantis. He was a really nice guy. By the way, I endorse Donald Trump. And this speaks to me, Joe, as someone like you who has been an organizer for so long, right? Understands the political organizational aspects of a campaign. That the people that Trump has working for him, a woman named Susie Wiles, who was profiled in the New York Times this week, and another guy named Chris Lasavita, who we've mentioned before, is Mr. Swiftboat. You know, he also helped Ron Johnson get reelected in 2022. Like these people know what they're doing. And I think we need to make sure we understand that they are not the jokers he's had in the past. Yeah, no, this is totally different. These people know what they're doing. And it's evident. This was a concerted effort to go after these members of Congress in Florida to bring them on board to embarrass DeSantis and really well played out. I mean, where they're having donors call that member as they're calling early in the day and saying, Trump's going to call you later on today around four o'clock. And all day long before that, the congressman gets that call. He's getting calls from the donors saying, I'm going to be with Trump. I hope you are too. And by the time Trump calls, the guy quotes. Well, this is like well planned out and implemented strategy. And I think, you know, it's clear just in how they're taking out DeSantis. It's like really brilliant stuff. Now, first of all, he walks right into it too. So that's, they got help there. But no, as close as 2016 and 2020 were, with like crazy people running the damn thing. But now we've got a different enemy here. There'll be plenty of diabolical stuff, but it's being run by much smarter people. And given how close things are, you cannot count out that Trump has a real shot at this. It's definitely going to take the nomination. And then it's the real question is what they will do to stoke the outrage and drive their vote out it's there, and they're smarter about how they're doing it. 
And also the other thing I think that we've talked about is that the more DeSantis goes so extreme on Magus cult stuff, he's actually giving Trump sort of an opening where he, he's not as bad as DeSantis. I mean, like the ads that they're running going after DeSantis on wanting to take out Social Security and Medicare. Hey, writ large, that's the entire Republican Party right now. Yeah. And Trump said the abortion thing was a bad idea. And he said DeSantis is stupid for attacking Disney. That's what I'm saying. The more he points out the stupid, insane shit DeSantis is doing, it accrues to his benefit. Now, the only other question thing is, I just don't know if there's really going to be much of a fight because all the, quote, you know, opposition out there to Trump just folds by June or July. But if it keeps going this way, I think it could accrue to be a benefit to Trump with some of those people that go, hey, he's not as bad as DeSantis is. No, look, and, and I think we made, you know, and this is why, you know, you make projections. I don't want to call them predictions. You make projections about what you think is going to happen in a race. There's no such thing as a straight line trajectory, certainly in life, but also especially in presidential politics. And, you know, Rick and I were in New York talking to a bunch of newspaper editors in December, and they were all about DeSantis. And we said, stop worrying about the guy. He's the most overbought stock in American politics. And they're like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Like, okay. But, you know, there was a story, I think it was in Politico about this, just as an aside on DeSantis, about this really ill-fated trip he had to Washington this week. I mean, clearly, to your point about the competence of Trump's campaign operatives, I don't want to talk about him because at any point he could blow the whole thing up. But, you know, they were talking about, you know, and clearly, like, again, the Trump press operation had done a really good job of seeding the story with, you know, this guy was sick. Trump called him in the hospital. DeSantis never called. You know, one member of Congress flew down because there was a hurricane in his district because, you know, DeSantis's office said, come down for the event. He gets the event. And they're like, sorry, no space for you. As a friend of ours said, these people insult me not only because I think he's a bad guy doing bad things. But he insults me as a political professional. Like, he's really freaking bad at this. Yeah, and that's what they're exploiting. His failure over the entire time he's been in office to, like, build any of these relationships. I mean, they're, they're taking these people out from right from under him because he never did a damn thing. Everything we've been saying from the beginning with him, there's nothing there. He's a cold fish. He has no personality skills, nothing. And... I still think that the fight between Trump and DeSantis could like really help blow up the thing, division that won't be repairable, which is what I've always thought the hard-fought primary would produce. Trump sitting on his hands or DeSantis, you know, having an all-out fight with Trump, that's all good. Or like I said, does this all just fall apart so fast that in June it's already Biden and Trump? This could be the first time that's ever happened. And look, you know, we should never say never. Something crazy could happen. And, you know, there's somebody out there. Sununu. Right. Sununu. Right. Sununu, right. Yes. <laughs> Governor Sununu of New Hampshire, who, uh, you know, says, quote unquote, the Republican Party has a good product to sell. They have a great product. And I keep asking myself, like, what is that? Because to me, it's rotten. It's in the dumpster. But you know what? Half the country shows up for it. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe he's going to come out with some really good product. But if it's good product, there's no way the party is going to buy it. I mean, that's the whole thing here. You know, I mean, the, the whole misconception here is, yeah, there are plenty of people, I mean, governors in the party that actually, uh, you know, I may disagree with them, but I think were solid, you know, had real policies and ideas, but all those people are dead. I mean, they're all like 
one or two percent are leaving the race already, like Larry Hogan did. There's always been a history of Democratic states with Republican governors, right? Because at the state level, even Democrats in those states were like, yeah, you know, he or she doesn't really mess around with social issues, so I'm fine with that. And do I trust him to keep an eye on the money? I do, <laughs> right? Because I don't trust us to keep an eye on the money. Because Hogan was in Maryland, obviously Charlie Baker in Massachusetts. I worked for Schwarzenegger when he was governor of California. Um, so that's not an unusual dynamic. The problem is now is that no Republican after Larry Hogan probably ever gets elected in Maryland, nor in Massachusetts, certainly not in California. And so that also just shows you the, the sort of polarization of those states as they become true one-party states. But let me ask you this, because I've had this working theory about MAGA, right? The movement, not Trump, but the movement that it is off to the races in crazy town. And while Trump might be trying to, and I use this word relatively, so please don't email me with like, I can't believe you said that, which is Trump as moderating force may not matter because they're so far off the deep end with this stuff that what we've seen is that he's moved to catch up in the last year. And while his campaign may be better, he is ultimately still who he is. And that's not a good thing necessarily. I've said I think he is both the most dangerous and the most beatable Republican in 2024. But the movement has moved past him, so to speak. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I think in the end, this new team can try to continue to push away in a way that kind of benefits him in the primary, but eventually they still have to chase the car and the car is out of control. The Magnum movement is out of control and wants more, you know, and that's in the end, whoever gets the nomination and it's going to be Trump, that's the route he's going to pursue, I think. And instinctually, that's where he always goes because he believes and all of the books that were written after he left office in, you know, early 21 said every calculation he did in his head such as that calculator is, was to the base. And here's the thing. He knows what works. He knows what he's doing will work against DeSantis. But once he kills that one, then, then he starts recalibrating what in his head, you know, what works. So I think in the end, I don't see how the Republican Party picks up the pieces and puts it all together. And, you know, I think Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee. I think we may be having a Trump-Biden fight as early as June, July, August. I mean, think about that for, what would that be, like 16 months or something? That's a long-ass campaign. And, you know, there is Trump exhaustion. And I think that contrast with, yeah, Biden's there. I'm sure people got plenty of problems with Biden. But I think the contrast between that Trump exhaustion and craziness of MAGA is going to, again, it'll be close. It's going to take all the work. They're going to try to exhaust us. But, but I think the energy will be there. And look at what happened in Wisconsin after Dobbs. You know, there's still a lot of energy in with DeSantis and others doing this crazy bans that are, are just, you know, a woman doesn't even know she's pregnant by the time it's banned, right? I mean, it, I just think there's going to be a lot of energy there. And by the way, every drop of it was unleashed by Donald J. Trump. So as much as he wants to try to finesse it, I don't think it'll work. I think people know exactly what's going on here and who did it. So we've talked a little bit about what accrues to Trump's benefit, but what accrues to his detriment is, again, not only Dobbs, but its aftermath in all these states. You talked about DeSantis in the six-week ban in Florida, this crazy-ass judge in Texas with the abortion pill 
things like the law in Idaho. They're going to try and keep you from crossing state lines. And then, you know, as Stewart, I think, so eloquently says, the Republican Party plays politics in the key of race. And that is headed in a very bad direction in a very big hurry. You know, in just in southeastern Oklahoma this last week, or I guess the, it was a recording made a month ago, Joe, but I'm in a recording that was released this week that, you know, the one of the county commissioners saying, you know, in the old days, we'd take them down to the Mud Creek and we'd, you know, throw a rope around a tree. I mean, Joe, it's hard for me to be shocked, but to hear someone in 2023, not 1923, not 1823, but 2023, say something like that out loud. Now, that that guy has since resigned. And the sheriff and one of the investigators, everybody in that room is being called on to resign. But that's really, again, even for me, and maybe I shouldn't be shocked, but I am. Well, it's not shocking in the sense that we've seen things like this over the years, you know, once in a while. But it's now clearly out in the open. And again, it comes back to Donald J. Trump. He didn't start it. He exposed it. He gave it life and brought it into the open. But now look, that's got consequences. This all comes from the fear that is stoked up by Fox and Trump and the MAGA crowd. We're starting to see real signs of this. It's now becoming clear that in your everyday life, it's not just the crazy, it's the danger that they're creating. And I think hopefully what will get a bigger response out of more people to help organize with the union things like Resolute Square and other things that are going on out there to expose this stuff and be part of the amplifiers to take this on and fight it back because they're counting on us all getting exhausted and giving up. Right. And as I said last night when we were talking, when you're tired, rest. When you're hungry, eat. In the meantime, like get back to work. All right, Joe, before I let you go, where can our listeners find you online? On Twitter, at Joe Trippy. For sure, I hope you'll give a listen to that trippy show, my podcast. And you can find that any place you get your favorite podcast, including this one. And I highly recommend listening to one of Joe's latest episodes with Tom Edsel, who's writing in the New York Times about the Republican operatives who've set up so much of what we're seeing today. An absolutely terrific conversation. As always, gang, you can find me on Twitter and TikTok at Reed Galen. You can find me on Instagram at Reed underscore Galen underscore LP. Joe, welcome home, and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Reed. Great to be with you. And everybody else, we'll see you next time. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe to The Lincoln Project on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or however you listen. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. To connect with us, follow us on Twitter, at Project Lincoln, and for more information on our movement, to join our mailing list, subscribe to our newsletter, or make a contribution to our efforts, visit lincolnproject.us. If you want to message the podcast directly, please send an email to podcast at lincolnproject.us. And if you want to personally join the fight to save our nation's democracy, visit jointheunion.us. For The Lincoln Project, I'm Reed Galen. I'll see you on the next episode.